Hello and welcome to the Bliss Bean Show. I'm your host, Patrice, and on this podcast, we talk about how to design intentional days, create meaningful work, and get more out of life. Hello and welcome back to the Bliss Bean Show. Today's episode is a solo episode, so if you like hearing me talk, you'll enjoy this episode. Otherwise, if you prefer the interviews, that's okay. My feelings are not hurt. You can come back next week. I'll have two interviews at least lined up for the next two episodes. Before today, I really wanted to do a solo episode to do a little mental health update slash chat Luckily, this is a good update. Things have been going pretty well, and I have some ideas about why that is. I have some specific things that I want to talk about that have been helping me in the hopes that they might help you as well. I think this is my fourth solo episode that I'm recording. If I remember correctly, my first two episodes of this podcast were solo episodes because I just had no idea who to interview. And then I think I did one solo episode because people on Instagram said they wanted more solo episodes, so I did one about my goals for 2021 for YouTube. But these episodes have always been very difficult for me to record. It's it's really hard for me to just talk very casually into a microphone because the way that I'm used to doing YouTube videos is even if it's quite a casual video, like even a vlog, I will script parts of it and say it over and over again until that line sounds right to me. And so I have like bullet points typed out for this episode, but I really, really want to try to just relax and loosen up and act as if I'm just talking to a friend because I'm pretty sure all of the things in my bullet points are things I've already talked about with various friends. So now I'm just compiling it for the general audience. So where shall we begin? I just opened up the day one app on my computer. So I've been using the day one app on my phone to write a couple of sentences about what I do each day and then attach a photo, which is really nice because that's obviously something that I can't do with a paper journal unless I get a Polaroid camera or like one of those little photo printers, which I was tempted to buy recently, but then I decided that was not really a good decision. But so it's been really nice to be able to kind of document my life in this multimedia way. And it has actually replaced my bedtime journaling because if you've watched a couple of my videos, you know that before I go to bed, I always write down three things that I accomplished that day, three wins, and then three things that I was grateful for that day. And I realized that in the evenings, I just... I did not want to sit down with my paper journal and actually go through the motions of writing. And so I was like, why not just do that in the day one app and just make it easier for myself? I I can type way faster than I can handwrite. And so I'll be more likely to complete the thing if if it's so much easier to do. So I've been journaling in day one every time I do my bedtime routine. And one of the things that I love most about it is that it displays this calendar and all of the days on the calendar that are blue are days that you wrote. It's a really good way to motivate you to do an entry every day because you want to fill up that calendar. But the reason I opened it up is because it's a really good way for me to see when I was in a slump, like exactly when. Because when I am in one of these down moods, I do not do my bedtime routine. I don't really do much of anything. And so looking at this calendar, I can see, yup, like 
middle of January, I had a really bad weekend. Um, end of January, I had like a week and a half that was really, really bad. And so I am mentioning this just because I want to establish some sort of timeline. Uh, I think I've talked about in recent episodes or videos or wherever else on the internet I am that I've been struggling with my mental health, I would say, since last summer, which makes total sense to me. Um, It was the pandemic. It was quarantine. I should have been going to college and was not. So I, I think the conditions were perfect, basically, for me to start going through that. So 2021 got off to a really, really good start. I was like, oh my goodness, this is what I needed. I just needed a new year and now everything is fixed. But of course, it usually doesn't really work that way. And so, yeah, I'm looking at the exact date right now. It was January 14th that I fell into kind of a mini slump and then January 22nd through 31st that I was doing really badly. So I get, what, what do I mean by doing really badly? Basically, what I've been experiencing is that very suddenly, I've noticed that it comes on very suddenly. It's like this big shift in my internal state. I just start to feel so tired and unmotivated and don't want to do anything, like hopeless. Usually my eating and sleeping patterns get pretty screwed up, so overeating, definitely And like eating not because I'm hungry or even because the food tastes good, but just like almost trying to fill something emotionally. And it's weird to talk about this, like being completely aware of why it happens, but finding it really difficult to make it not happen. So I think that's one of the things to keep in mind about mental health is that a lot of times we do know what would help us or what we need to do or why something is happening. And sometimes we don't know. But even when we do know, it's really hard to actually do those things. So yeah, super tired, unmotivated, overeating. The sleeping kind of varies. Sometimes I am sleep deprived. Sometimes I am oversleeping. And just being so frustrated that this cycle keeps repeating. Because I I guess luckily it hasn't been a continuous thing. But it's been continuous in the sense that I will have a period where I'm feeling down and then a period where I'm feeling really good. And it's been really frustrating because when I start to feel down, I really only have to look back a couple of days back to the start of the week. And at the start of the week, I was feeling completely differently. I was feeling fine. I was enjoying my work. I was enjoying family and friends and all the good stuff about life. And it's like, how does that shift happen so suddenly? And how can I stop that from happening? So one of the things that I want to talk about in this podcast episode that helped me was to have a much more open and honest conversation with my dad than I'm used to having. So personally, for me, open and honest communication is very, very difficult. I'm not really sure why. I logically see the value in communication. I'm totally like, yes, communicating is so important in relationships. Like, be open and clear about your needs. But to actually put that into action, I don't know why it is so terrifying to me. I think I'm also like a very conflict-averse person. So even though me and my dad have a great relationship and we really get along, we joke around It's like we never really have those deep conversations that are not about cheerful, happy, lighthearted things. So I realized that I really needed to have a serious conversation because when I would be feeling down, most of my day would be spent like downstairs on the couch, 
binge watching TV shows or binge reading books, I actually got ahead of my Goodreads reading goal, so I guess that's good, but I would have preferred to get ahead of it in another way and not just because like I wanted to fill my time with something because I couldn't bring myself to do anything else. But anyways, when I would be downstairs, my dad also um, works from home and he's always downstairs and I just felt like I wasn't getting the amount of support that I wanted and it got really frustrating because I was like, do you see that I am over here struggling and suffering and I really need your help and I feel like you're just not seeing what I'm going through and I remember one time he came over to me and he was like, are you, what did he say? Are you sick? And I said, no, I'm not sick. And he said, oh, are you just sad? And I said, yeah. And he said, you should take some more vitamin C. And that was incredibly frustrating to me. But I think it was a necessary experience in helping me to understand that me and my dad were just not on the same page. Because what I wanted was just like simple comfort, a hug, like that was it. And I think what he was trying to provide was figuring out the problem for me, figuring out an exact solution to why I was feeling sad. And that was frustrating to me because from my perspective, I didn't think that there was any one specific problem and that searching for the cause was starting to frustrate me. And so then I think that weekend he gave me a notebook and he was like, I want you to fill out this notebook and like we'll look at what's going on and I'll figure out why this is happening for you. And this notebook had all these questions like, how long did you sleep? When did you go to bed? When did you wake up? Did you use an alarm? Did you have vitamins today? Did you take your probiotics? How was your food today? Did you exercise? Did you go outside? So many questions to answer. So basically like this daily log and he was hoping to, you know, look at what I wrote and find some patterns, find some consistencies that matched up with my up and down moods and figure out what was causing that. And when he gave me that journal, I was like, oh, he really, really does care a lot. Otherwise, he would not be putting together basically like this at-home research study to figure out how to help me. And I just realized we had different ideas of what helping was. So I think the next day I started filling out that journal, but I knew that I also needed to have that tough conversation to explain how my dad could help me. And that was so hard for me to start. I literally remember I was like, my room is upstairs, so I needed to go downstairs to talk to my dad. I was standing on the stairs figuring out like, how do I start this conversation? Like, what's a good sentence to open with? And then how do I transition to the stuff that I know I need to say? It was very nerve wracking to me for some reason, but finally I went down. I used the book that I was reading, which I think I'm going to talk about later, Feeling Good by David Burns. I used that as an opener. I was like, I want to show you some things I've been reading about. And then I got into telling him how I think that the most helpful thing that you can do for me is just like provide some comfort and then when I'm stuck in this cycle where I don't want to do anything so then I do nothing but watch TV all day and then I feel worse about myself so I do more nothing when I get trapped in that cycle what I need you to do is just like help motivate me to do one thing that will get me back into that cycle of action and motivation and get me back to feeling good and he said Oh, really? Because I thought, you know, I would see you feeling sad, but I felt like what I should do was just leave you alone. And I was like, no, 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 no. That is exactly the opposite of what I need. So that experience, I would say, was a pretty important turning point. 
I'm not going to say that it fixed everything and now he understands perfectly how to help me and I understand perfectly his attempts to help me, but it has improved our understanding and I just think that's what's important. I also have a lot more understanding for the situation that he is in and I realize that it is really hard. I have now been on his side seeing someone else struggling and having no idea how to help them and also having my instincts telling me, oh, I should just leave that person alone. Like the best thing for me to do now is to let them deal with it on their own. But then I think back and I'm like, wait, that's the exact same thing that happened with me and my dad and I did not want him to leave me alone. And so I think it's hard to be a kid wanting your parent to help you and it's hard being a parent not knowing how to help your kid. And also I think that applies to just anyone. It's hard being the person who feels like they're not receiving the help they need and it's hard being a person wanting to help someone you love and not knowing how to do that. So... I just think that having more understanding has been really helpful to me and my family. The second big thing that I want to talk about, which I think was the main reason that I wanted to make this podcast episode, was to talk about having an accountability buddy. So one of my very first interviews, possibly my first, was with Taylor King. So Taylor reached out to me a while back to see if I would be interested in us interviewing each other for each other's podcasts. And after the first time that we talked, we just became instant friends. Like we got along so well, we really understood each other and we just kept in touch ever since then. And recently I reached out to her because I have been really wanting to try having an accountability buddy and I've been thinking about it for months. I just never like took the step to actually suggest it to any of my friends. But the reason I picked her was because one of the big goals that I wanted to work on was writing related. And she also, I know, wants to work on writing. So I was like, perfect. Both of our main goals match up. We are the ideal accountability buddy pairing. So I'm recording this episode the day before it goes live. Oops. So it's Tuesday and we started this last Monday. So we've only been doing it for a week and two days, but I've already seen such a huge benefit. So the very first time that we called, by the way, I'm going to be doing a YouTube video where I really go into detail and explain how this has worked for me and how other people can implement it as well. But for the time being, I only have nine days of experience to speak on. So it's just going to be a casual podcast episode. So the very first time we called, I think I was not feeling good that day. But because we had that on the calendar, you know, I had to go and talk to her And it was so nice. It really helped me to feel better because it forced me to go and talk to another person, but also to talk about really hopeful and inspiring topics like setting our goals and encouraging each other. And so the goals that I picked for my very first week of working with Taylor were two hours of writing per day. And then another of the great things about having an accountability buddy is that they can give you ideas that maybe you would not have thought of. And so she suggested that I move my desk again to kind of get a fresh start. Also because the window where I have it up against right now is just too bright. So I left that initial call, that initial accountability buddy meeting with a little to-do list. Two hours of writing per day that week, move my desk, and then also do a little daily status report. Because something I've been doing in my journal for a while now is writing three good decisions that I can make that day. But when it's just in your journal and only you and your notebook know about it, it's very easy to just not do it. Like, it's good to put it in writing. That's a step towards actually getting it done. 
but it is so much better and so much more motivating to tell someone what you're going to do that day and then know that you have to check in with them in the evening and report on your progress honestly because they're your friend and you wouldn't lie to them. So that first week went absolutely amazingly. Yesterday we had our second call so we kind of set new goals. I wanted to continue with two hours of writing. I wanted to get an average of seven hours of sleep per night over the course of the week and do one yoga video on Thursday. In addition to that, we're also continuing our daily check-ins of three things that we each plan to do that day. So I think aside from the social pressure aspect of it, I think another reason that it has been so helpful is that it is really, really nice to know that someone is in it with you. So that very first meeting we had was on a Saturday. And as I said, I was kind of in one of my little slumps and I was not feeling great. And, you know, getting out of a slump is possible, but it feels like it takes so much effort. Like I have to exert so much energy and it's just kind of intimidating. It's kind of draining. But going through that day, knowing that I had this buddy, I had Taylor who is over in Hawaii, but whatever distance does not matter that I was thinking about like her goals the entire day and that she was thinking about mine and we were checking in with each other it made such a huge difference to like know that someone out there has your back. So it was especially helpful on that day, but just in general, it's been so nice to have someone with whom you have committed to celebrating each other's little wins because yes, I talk to friends about happy things and things that I'm struggling with, but not consistently and usually not when I most need to talk about those things because I just don't want to burden them. But then here, it's like a daily expectation. It's literally something that we agreed to. Another thing that I noticed in our text messages, I'm not sure if Taylor was consciously doing this. Maybe she's listening or I'll have to ask her. But I remember in one of my therapy sessions, my therapist was like, I'm going to teach you a therapy technique that all therapists use. And I believe it was called mirroring, where you basically kind of say what the, what the client, what the other person said to you back to them. You just restate it and you like affirm what they're telling you. And so I've noticed Taylor doing that where I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm a little frustrated because of this and this. And then she'll say, yeah, it sounds really frustrating that this and this. And even though I see exactly like the technique that's being used and I understand the reasoning behind it, I love it. I just think it's so nice to have someone not really try to solve your problems, but just be like, yes, I, I hear you and I see that there is a problem and I'm here with you for you to get through it. One example of a day that having an accountability buddy really came in handy was... I would say the most difficult day of that first week. So in general, that first week went really smoothly. It was awesome. Each morning I would text her three things I was gonna do. And then every evening I would text all of them back with a little update on how it went and a little green check mark emoji to indicate that I had actually done those things. But Sunday, I actually started to feel that tired and unmotivated feeling again. And I went downstairs, I picked up my Kindle and I was just like, screw this, I'm just gonna read. And after a while, I really felt how literally my entire state of being, it felt like, changed simply because of lying horizontally on the couch. And I was like, no, I need to just get up and start doing something because if I continue to lie here, it's just going to mess with my physical state of being, my mental state of being, how I feel emotionally, everything. 
So I mustered a little bit of willpower. I got up and I went and asked my dad if he wanted to go shovel the snow outside. So we went and shoveled the snow. And then when I came back, I just had more motivation again because I had taken some sort of action aside from just lying on the couch. And suddenly I was like, you know what? I am going to clean my room and I am going to do an Olaplex treatment for my hair because those were two of the things that I had told Taylor I would do that day. And I honestly was really tempted to just not do them and be like, yeah, sorry, Taylor, I didn't do my three things today. But I got myself off the couch and that was all the momentum that I needed to check off all three things for the seventh time that week. Okay, I'm back from taking a break because it is hard to talk for this much time just by yourself. So another quick thing that I wanted to mention was that I recently, I don't know what the right word is, I did not fire my therapist. I don't also want to say that I broke up with my therapist. I just discontinued my therapy sessions with the particular therapist that I have now. So really the biggest and most practical reason for doing this was because I have a different health insurance policy and company this year and this policy does cover some counseling sessions whereas previously I was just paying out of pocket to work with this therapist. So that was a really big reason. But then also I wanted to try a different style of therapy. So I'm pretty sure my previous therapist, hers was kind of like mindfulness and talk therapy. And after reading the book, I'm not quite done, but after reading most of Feeling Good by David Burns, which is all about cognitive behavioral therapy, it really struck a chord with me. And I felt like that was something that I wanted to try, not just from reading a book, but actually working with a therapist who specialized in those techniques. But then also the third thing that I want to mention is that I'm really not in a rush to find a new therapist even because I feel like I benefited from the sessions that I did have and now I feel like I have the tools that I need. The trap that I keep falling into is kind of the exact same one every time and after a certain point talking about it over and over just was not helpful and I think now what I need more than a therapist to you know, help me uncover new understandings or whatever is just to have my accountability buddy, to have Taylor, to keep me accountable for using those tools. So we'll see how that goes. Basically, I'm kind of looking for a new therapist, but not in a rush, which probably means that I might not find one for a couple of months. But honestly, I feel like I'm in a good situation right now. So that's good. Something else I wanted to touch on, which I also talked about in my previous solo podcast episode where I talked about my YouTube blogging goals for 2021. So I touched on the mental health side of YouTube in that episode. So now I'm flip-flopping. I want to touch on YouTube in the mental health episode. So recently I was looking back at some of my old videos. So I would say late 2019, early 2020 and I was just really surprised by how much effort I put into those videos. I was really proud of myself, but I also felt this nagging little feeling like, Patrice, have you gotten lazy? Why are you not producing to this level anymore? I think one of the specific things that really stood out to me was as I was looking through an old project folder, I found a little file where I used to make vertical video previews, just like 15 second, very cute, very aesthetic video clips to kind of preview um, an upcoming video the night before it was to go live. And I would put a little countdown sticker on it. 
And I totally forgot that I did that because at some point I just stopped caring about designing that extra thing that it was just an extra thing on my to-do list. And so I thought, man, I put so much careful effort and detail into producing a video. Why do I not do this anymore? So after some thinking, I realized, oh, right. Back then, I did not have... Um, I can't say much about it, but I will tell you more about it soon. I did not have this big project that I'm currently working on for at least two hours per day. I did not have my podcast. I did not have the Viably group. I did not have some freelance projects that I'm working on. And also, I was not struggling with my mental health. So is it fair for me to compare how I made YouTube videos back then to how I do now? Absolutely, it is not. But I will say that for this week's video, for this upcoming series of spring cleaning and decluttering videos that I'm doing, I really took care to put more effort into planning out the scripts, planning out how they all fit together, how I'm going to promote them. And I will be once again designing those vertical videos for stories previews. And that was really a mindful decision. I, I was not doing it just to add another thing to my to-do list to feel productive by simply making myself busier. It was because I felt a little bit of a disconnection from the YouTube videos that I was making. I did not feel as immersed in the process as I remember that I used to be early 2020, late 2019. And so I just wanted to put a little bit more effort into the process to feel that again. And so far that's been successful. I've been very excited about upcoming YouTube videos. So that's good also. But I do want to say that my previous videos have been doing, I don't want to use a word that implies a judgment. I was about to say poorly. Um, they've been getting low views. I think that does not have any connotation of whether that's a good or a bad thing. So that's been frustrating. I'm not going to lie. I actually, because I was noticing this pattern, every time I would upload a video, I was super scared to check how it was doing in terms of views and I would not check. I would literally cover up my screen if I had to go into YouTube studio to do something else. But then I realized that Yes, it is not really very good to be checking and obsessing over the numbers constantly, but I think that by adamantly not checking them, I was just obsessing over the numbers in a different way, and they still had that control over me, they still created anxiety in me, and so what I did was I purposely went and I checked the views. I felt like if I'm scared of this, then maybe it's a fear that I need to face. And I did experience kind of a weight off my shoulders. It was like, okay, now I know, yes, that video did not perform incredibly, but whatever, it's not the end of the world. I'll try to do a really good job on this upcoming series of videos. So that's a lesson that I feel like I keep learning over and over again. You cannot have an all or nothing attitude about things. It's always about the balance. And Yes, saying find the balance is not a practical or actionable bit of advice at all because balance means different things to other people. You just can't define it. But for me, balance meant checking the views but not thinking too much about them. So that all or nothing thinking is actually a cognitive distortion that I learned about while reading Feeling Good by David Burns. So once again, this book is all about cognitive behavioral therapy 
And basically, he explains this list of cognitive distortions or kind of mistakes that we make in the way that we think that cause us to not feel good. So I just want to point out some of the cognitive distortions that I think I related the most to. My favorite cognitive distortion traps to fall into. So the first one, as I mentioned, is all or nothing thinking. This is where you see things in black and white categories. So my examples that I wrote that I've noticed myself thinking is today was either amazing or a total waste. And in reality, no day is perfectly good or perfectly bad. They're all kind of in the middle. Another example is if I say to myself, oh, I messed up on one part of this project, so it's pointless to even try to do well on the rest of it. Because no, you can still do a really good job on the rest of it. It doesn't matter that you made a tiny mistake in the middle of the process. Another cognitive distortion is overgeneralization. So this is defined as seeing a single event as a never-ending pattern of defeat. And how I've noticed this is where I start to think, oh my gosh, like I've been going through this up and down cycle since, I don't know, July of last year or something. This is gonna go on forever. This has gone on for, what is it, six, seven months now. So it is bound to continue on into eternity and obviously that doesn't make sense either. I actually found a journal entry from January 26 where you can see this cognitive distortion in action. So I started the journal entry by saying, I'm so tired of this. I don't think I've had more than two good weeks in a row since July, and I'm scared that I will never go back to the way I was before when it was so easy to be happy and I took it for granted, when I might've been stressed out or tired, but I didn't feel like giving up completely." End quote. And then the last one that I want to point out is called emotional reasoning. So this one is defined as taking your emotions as truth when they might actually have no validity. So the example that I wrote was that if I think I'm not in the mood to do anything, that I might as well just lie in bed. And so that doesn't make sense because actually if I were to get out of bed, I would start to feel more like myself again. My emotions are telling me, Oh, I have no motivation to do anything. I should just spend the rest of the day watching TV, but your emotions are not always correct. And so this cognitive behavioral therapy stuff has been so interesting to me because it just feels like such a logical approach. It's like, there's the mistake in your thinking. If you can fix that, you can get on the path, on the road, back to feeling good again. Another part of the book that I thought was really interesting, and I'll try not to talk too much about it, but it was called the Dysfunctional Attitude Scale, and I'll link a worksheet in the show notes so that you can try it for yourself. But so basically, it's 35 statements, and they are in seven broader categories of dysfunctional attitudes. And for each one of those, you just rate how much you agree with it, you tally up your scores, and then you see which categories are your strengths and your weaknesses. So the seven categories of dysfunctional attitudes are approval, love, achievement, perfectionism, entitlement, omnipotence, I, I think that's how I say it, and autonomy. So for me, I scored in the positive, so that's good, in perfection and autonomy and entitlement. I scored negative for approval, love, achievement, and omnipotence. So achievement was my second lowest, love was my lowest, and I think I actually want to retake this thing because I think I kind of misunderstood it. As I was reading these statements, I was thinking mostly about my family because my family's been really important to me lately. So for example, one of the statements was, I cannot find happiness without being loved by another person. 
And in my mind, I was thinking, if my family just stopped loving me, that would really suck. Like, I don't know if I could be happy after that. And then once I was reading the descriptions of all the categories, it said for the love one, a negative score indicates you are a love junkie. You see love as a need without which you cannot survive, much less be happy. And I was like, oh, well, I don't know. I don't, I don't think that sounds like me. I think the achievement category does sound more like me. A negative score indicates you are a, ugh, a workaholic, you have a constricted sense of your own humanity, and you see yourself as a commodity in the marketplace. Yikes. The more negative your score, the more your sense of self-worth and your capacity for joy are dependent on your productivity. So yeah, if you want to learn some difficult truths about yourself, you can also do that worksheet. I'm putting the link in the show notes. And then the last thing that I wanted to talk about in this podcast was just two emails that I recently received. So I have found that people tend to follow like the same sets of YouTube channels, if that makes sense. Like if I talk to someone else who, for example, also watches Lavender, I really like Lavender's YouTube channel. They also tend to watch the same other group of YouTube channels, even though there are so, I don't know, thousands of YouTube channels out there. Why did I start talking about this? Oh, because if you listen to this podcast, if you watch my YouTube channel, I think you are more likely than average to also watch Michelle B's YouTube channel. So Michelle B has this weekly newsletter called the Life Notes Newsletter, and I really, really like it because of how simple it is. So every week she sends something to think about, a quote, and then some action step ideas. And I really admire that because I feel like my newsletter a lot of times gets too long-winded. Let me know what you guys think if I should try to make it more concise. But anyways, Michelle B's newsletters lately have been saying exactly the things that I need to hear somehow. So three weeks ago, the newsletter was titled On Setting Invisible Boundaries. And some of the things she mentioned to think about were... Do you create invisible boundaries and expectations and find yourself frustrated when people don't meet or cross them? Is your friend inconsiderate or have you never let them know that you don't love drop-in hellos? Is your partner thoughtless or have you never mentioned how much it would mean if they put in effort on your anniversary? And then the quote she included was, I would estimate at least half of my frustrations with others are actually frustrations with myself for failing to set clear boundaries and stand by them. So for me, in my situation, I, I don't know if I was necessarily thinking about boundaries, but just expectations where I had an expectation for how my dad would help me when I was not feeling good. And then when he did not meet them, I got frustrated with him, even though I had never ever explained those expectations to him. And he obviously cannot read my mind. And then a week ago, the newsletter was titled, Stop Saying Yes to Things You Don't Want to Do. So this has been a trap that I have fallen to many times in my life. I think I encountered it a lot in high school, but then I got better and better at saying no. And then I thought that, well, once I'm on my gap year, like I won't have to face that at all. There won't be any more clubs, extracurriculars. I think that was the main thing that I had trouble saying no to. And so what could I possibly fill up my plate with that I didn't want to do? But you know, somehow it still happens. Somehow I still find myself doing freelance projects and volunteer things that I am not super thrilled about. And so this quote that she included, I thought was perfect. It says, 
Every time you say yes to something you don't want to do, this will happen. You will resent people. You will do a bad job. You will have less energy for the things that you were doing a good job on. You will make less money, and yet another small percentage of your life will be used up, burned up, a smoke signal to the future saying, I did it again. Whew! That is a good place to end this podcast. I will definitely be keeping that in mind for when I start college this fall because if I'm falling into the trap while I'm on a gap year and somehow still finding ways to do things that I don't really want to do and do the mental gymnastics to convince myself that it's somehow worth it, it'll definitely be a challenge in college when I'm trying to balance schoolwork and YouTube and all of the other opportunities that I'm sure will present themselves to me. It's always weird trying to do the three takeaways on a solo episode because it's weird to summarize what I myself said. But anyways, three takeaways that you can take from today's episode. Number one is to set expectations and boundaries with people, even if it takes difficult conversations. So Michelle B called it invisible boundaries, which means that in your head, you have an idea of how you want people to treat you. You have an idea of how people can help you or how you want to communicate and interact with people. But because you never actually tell them that, there's no way that they can read your mind. And so then you end up feeling frustrated frustrated and disappointed when all it could take is possibly just one maybe difficult but very worthwhile conversation to get on the same page. Number two is to practice detachment, which I think is a lot harder to achieve than maybe it sounds. So in my case, what I'm trying to detach myself is from the numbers, from the YouTube views and things like that. And the trap that I fell into was that by trying to detach myself from not looking at the numbers, I actually was so adamantly not looking at the numbers that I just attached myself to them in a different way. So whatever you're trying to detach yourself from, whether it's YouTube views or certain achievements or certain people, just remember that you can't really have an all or nothing approach to it. You can't be super attached to it, but you can't also be trying so hard to detach yourself from it that you achieve the opposite purpose. And number three, I hope I was able to convey how helpful having an accountability buddy has been to me. I really look forward to making a more detailed video on the topic, but for the time being, I hope you got some information on how it is to work with an accountability buddy and how it might help you to not only like reach big goals, but also just maintain a nice daily rhythm that I think we all need when we're all hitting this pandemic wall, figuratively speaking. So my action step for you for today is to reach out to a friend who you might be accountability buddies with. I picked Taylor because we both had writing-related goals, and I think it does help if your goals are aligned in some way, but really at the end of the day, you don't have to have the same goals to be able to support each other, so just pick a friend who you know will be there for you and will have your back. For Bliss Bean updates, I very briefly mentioned mentioned this, but this week's video is going to be about decluttering and organizing my desk, and it is the first of a series of four videos in kind of a spring cleaning and decluttering series, which I'm very, very excited about. And alongside those four videos, we're also going to be having four weekly challenges on the Viably app. So for example, this week's video is about decluttering my desk. The Viably challenge is also going to challenge you to declutter your desk, maybe share a before and after photo with us, and then you can look at how everyone else organized their desks to get some inspiration. So I hope you'll join us for that. It is at app.viably.io slash or I'll also put the link in the show notes. 
And one more thing is that you might remember I somewhat recently did a live study slash work with me session on the live streaming platform StudyStream. So I have another one of those on the calendar for Wednesday, March 10th, most likely from 11 to 12.30 p.m. Central, but I will definitely let you guys know on Instagram if that time changes. My one recommendation for today, I would like to recommend the Day One app, actually. I recently purchased the premium subscription because I wanted to be able to sync it to the Mac app um, because I think I can just type a lot faster on my computer than I can on my phone. But honestly, you can definitely get by with the free version. That was really the only feature that I purchased the premium version for. Otherwise, you can have daily entries and like attach, I think, one piece of media per day. So like one photo or video. And that was plenty for me. And I'm just really excited about building up this archive of journal entries. It's super cool because you can look at a calendar and go back in time and see what you wrote each day. You can also look at a map-based view and see what entries you wrote uh, based on different locations that you were at. And then also there's an on this day feature. So I only have entries spanning back a couple of months, so I haven't been able to use this yet. But for example, today, February 23rd, you can go back in time and it'll show you what did you write on February 23rd, 2020, 2019. And I think it'll just be really cool to see how my daily life changes year to year. So I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some tips and ideas from it and didn't get too sick of hearing just my voice for about 45 minutes straight. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family and friends and leave a review on iTunes. You can learn more about The Bliss Bean and connect with me on YouTube and Instagram at TheBlissBean and TheBlissBean.com. If you'd like to sign up to receive the show notes in your inbox every Wednesday morning, that's TheBlissBean.com slash podcast. If you have a listener question, comment, or suggestion, you can send a voice memo to hello at TheBlissBean.com. Thanks so much for listening. See you next week.